Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. How many of you say, I'm glad I came tonight? I'm especially glad I came tonight. You want to know why? So I can find out what we're going to do tonight. (laughs) You got to show up to find out. (laughs) I was... (laughs) Dad Hagen was at our church in Tulsa. He was dedicating our new building in 1987. And um, there were some people there that they knew of Dad Hagen's ministry, but they were denominational people. And uh, Dad Hagen had been really going through a season of testing. And at that time, he had just decided, you know, I think I want to go on home. And Ed got up that night and ministered to him by the Spirit and said, and Dad Hagen didn't announce it or anything. Ed just got up and said, no, you can't go yet. We still need you. And then he told us later he had been wanting, talking to God about letting him come on home. And Dad Hagen said something. He said it, part of the difficulty, he hadn't been able to get into that prophet's office further. And he, uh, he was just struggling with some of that. Well, that night he got up. And uh, instead of preaching, he stood there for about 45 minutes and prophesied. And he, um, it was really interesting because he just started calling out a list of names. About nine, 10, 12, I don't remember exactly how many. And they weren't common names. It wasn't Bob and Bill. It was things like Horace and... Come to find out, he called out, there was a pastor there, and Dad Hagen, by the Spirit, called out the name of every board member on his board that was opposing him. And the prophet's anointing just took care of business. And then he got up, you know, and he just kept ministering by the Spirit. And then he said tonight, that night, he said, I'm back in it. I'm back in it. And Ed said, if I only built a building for that, that's reason enough to build a building. And uh, when Dad Hagen, in the course of it, he said, well, uh, let me think of his exact wording because he said, I'm not sure what to do in the service. And this denominational person later said, well, didn't he know he was to preach? Didn't he prepare anything? (laughs) So when I say I came to church to find out, it's not because I was, I'm not prepared. I said all that to say this, that for those, really this, these, these terminologies and phrases are, not always common to everyone. So I just want to explain myself. <laughs> that um, some, some unveilings are, you know, they're dependent on the location. 
you got to show up to the location to, to step into some things and to go further into some things. So I'm so glad I came tonight. <laughs> glad you came too. Glad you came too. And glad you're willing to just do whatever. Amen. And uh, anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> I, um, I'm reminded of something because when I, it, it always taught me and these kinds of services really don't make me nervous because their anointing is there to do it. And it's like, what would make me nervous is trying to preach yeah. in this. Yeah. It's like, we're going to fumble all over each other in that thing. <laughs> But Ed always taught me, he said, when, when, you don't have, when you don't know exactly what the direction is going to be, you just know it's going to be a Holy Ghost direction. I say this for your benefit, yeah. ministers. Yeah. He said, just go with the first thing that comes to you when you hit the pulpit. Yes. 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 Because sometimes you'll have something prepared and something will come to you when you hit the pulpit and you'll try to go back to what's prepared and miss the flow. Or you'll start off in the flow and then try to jump back to the prepared and still miss the flow. But in the, in the flow is the help. In the flow is the answers. In the flow is the utterance. And years ago, God said to me one day, and I was traveling, ministering with Ed. This is probably about 20 years ago or so. God said, you hit it about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Meaning this, 50% of the time I was supposed to teach. So I did. 50% of the time I wasn't supposed to teach, so I did. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trusting that percentage has changed a little bit over the 20 or so years. But he was just letting me know if it doesn't flow, you're not in the flow. Because he said in the flow, it flows. So if it's not flowing, it's because you're not in the flow. <laughs> Um, something came up in my spirit and I don't quite know what it's about. Well, I will say this. It's about buildings, buildings, because we don't have time to lay hold of and build buildings the way they've been done in the past. Time will not allow that whole natural process, meaning we're going to have to have some supernatural processes and not just be limited to the natural processes that we've been acquainted with. Not to say what the way it's been done in the past was wrong, it's just that different times call for different approaches, strategies, and flows. And I don't, there's something about buildings. Uh, God said to me, when Ed went home to be with the Lord, because I said, okay, Father, where is my divine hookup? And I have a divine hookup with these precious ministers who are part of FOF. That certainly is my company. But there, I have to have a voice into my life. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, God spoke to me about that with Brother Copeland. And he said he walks in graces that you're going to have to have in your life if you're going to finish 
and accomplish to the end the plan. What's that mean? Other people are further ahead in things than we are. We can't go further staying, staying at the pace of people who are um, maybe not as developed or are only as developed. God will always do us the kindness of putting us with those who are further along than us so that we can see the path clearly. That's why you have a pastor. That the pastor is that to you. Whether, and it's not about age. It's about development, it's about anointing, it's about graces, it's about calls in that, in that setting. And that's why it's not about age. And uh, so God put me with Brother Copeland for, uh, for me to see what my future can look like. Not to replicate, but to lay hold of graces that he's already not only walking in, but skillful in. Because I need an example. We all need an example. And uh, so I don't, I don't ever take things like this lightly, who I hook up with, who I have to come and minister. I don't just do what's popular. Because if it's not the leading of the spirit, popularity won't take the place of the leading of the spirit. And so um, one of the things that God's been dealing with me about is, and, and this is, uh, especially I want to speak to FOF ministers and pastors who are here, but these things are principles for all of us. And um, that is, there are places and things God has for us that we, we need to advance in quickly. And the best way to advance quickly is watch someone who's already done that. So that you're not having to find the ground and learn the ground for yourself. Advanced acceleration is connected to example. There has to be an example set in front of you then you can speed up. There's um, one pastor who he loved race cars. <laughs> and his congregation one year for his birthday, somebody came up with and the congregation got together and bought this for him. And it was a trip to like uh, one of the, I don't know if it's the Indy 500 or one of those leading well-known uh, races. And then it, he... It's, for a time he got to go there, but then part of the package that they bought him was he got to get on the track and he got to drive a race car with, not with that big race, but, <laughs> but with one of those race car drivers. And so they gave this pastor the race car, put him on the track, and then they gave him a lead car. I don't know if that's what they call it. Yeah. Is, is that the proper term? They gave him a lead car. And I mean, this was 
a professional race car driver that had just been in the main major race. And when they got ready to take laps around that racetrack, the lead car driver came back to this pastor and he said, if I take a curve at a speed, you can take it. He said, it doesn't matter how long you've been driving or not. If I set the pace based on my skill, your only job is to keep pace. And then you'll move into my skill. And he said, if I go high on the track, you go high. Even though you think you could go faster by staying low on the track, close into that curve, you can't. He said, if I go high, you go high. If I go low, you go low. And if I don't throw on my brake, don't you throw on your brake even if you feel like you need to throw on your brake. Because he said, it may feel like to you that you can't make a curve at a particular speed, but I know the track. And if I'm making it, you can make it. And he said, and do not fall behind. He said, you get on my bumper and you stay on my bumper. He said, because if you fall behind, you will not finish well. He said, if you will stay on my bumper, you will finish at winning winning numbers. Because he says, I don't drive a practice race, I drive a winning race. So he drives at full speed, full speed. And it doesn't matter that you haven't done that before, it matters who you're following. So this pastor said, you got it. It was like all the permission he needed to throw caution to the wind. And he said, that lead driver took off and he said, I took off. And he said, there were times I thought this car is not gonna hold together at that speed. And he said, but I saw his car held together so I knew my car would hold together. And he said, I stayed on him. I went high when he went high. I went low when he went low. If he touched his brake, I touched my brake. If he did not touch his brake, I did not. And he said, I finished. And that lead car driver came back and said, we've never had anyone that's done this with me that's finished like you finished. It wasn't the pastor's skill it was the pastor staying close. This is the difficulty with many, just believers and ministers. They, they're on the course, but they're not close. Just being on the right course doesn't mean you're going to finish the way you could finish. And should finish. And people say, I go to the right church. I go to the right meetings, yes, but how close, close, close? Because you know this, 
I, now, I can't say anything about electrical cars today because everything changes. That's a new technology. Yeah. But the old technology, there's, I don't know how many, some of you guys might could tell me how many thousands of parts there are in a car to get it to run. I, thousands. You can't just throw all the parts in the trunk and say, they're all there. It matters that they're connected and how they're connected. Pastor Debbie Simons told something about when the recession came in 2007, 2008, and she, she made this observation. She said, those congregation members of ours that did not change anything they were believing, didn't change any way they were giving because of what was going on around, their lives looked like there had been no recession, basically. And then there are people who adjusted themselves to what was around them ended up losing, losing homes, losing jobs, losing businesses. And even those who did not adjust and looked like they were losing, God gave it back in multiplied form. What is that? How close you connect. Don't loosen the connection just because there's pressure from without. There are people who, if they would just stay more closely connected to where God set them, they would advance faster in every arena of life. Their business would, their finances would, them getting the homes that God's been speaking and dealing with them about. And it's all just based on not just knowing where your connection is, but tightly, tightly connected. Some people don't receive what God has them for one reason. They don't show up. Just don't show up. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. The number one reason she received was faith. What her faith did caused her to show up it would have been easier to stay home and she pastor was preaching about her on Sunday morning she had it she had to get up and get out of bed for 12 years when there's an issue of blood all of your strength is leaving with that because the life is in the blood the energy of all just chemically that blood uh, stimulates everything. And she just got up and got out of the house and she found Jesus and he wasn't right outside her front door. Yeah, that's right. That's she got up and out of the house and we don't know how far she had to go to find him. We don't know how many times she walked around that community looking for where he was. People say, well, I saw him pass by this way. Well, I, I heard that they're over here. And because Jesus, of course, he had multitudes around him. She's got to go find it. And, and when she gets there, uh, he wasn't just looking for her. She gets there and there's a multitude. So now she's got to press past that. And of course, she's not supposed to be out in public because of her condition. 
It's unlawful, and it's, she, she could be stoned for it. And when she gets there, there's the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. He's got hold of Jesus, taking him to his house because his little daughter's at the point of death. And who is Jairus to her? He's the man who can pronounce her death sentence for being out in public. No wonder when Jesus said, who touched me, it said she feared. No, she didn't fear Jesus, she feared Jairus standing there. He knows that she's not supposed to be there. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He knows she's missed synagogue for 12 years and he knows why. But she wanted something. <laughs> how closely are people connected? What determines that? How bad they want something. How bad they want something. I've watched when my husband was here, I, I watched when God would send him to certain churches to preach and he'd leave the house and I'd say, I don't think I, I've met that pastor you're going to go. And I'm thinking of one in particular. He says, no. He said, I just met him and he said he invited me to come and God told me to go because if he, if he doesn't make some corrections quickly, he's going to die. And so he'd go to the meeting and preach for him. And uh, he didn't make corrections. I've seen people that God was dealing with to get connected with my husband. And they didn't. And they had family members that died, spouses that died, relatives that died, that shouldn't have and couldn't have, wouldn't have if they'd have been rightly connected. Close, closer, closer. Yeah, they believed in, they were in the arena, they believed in healing. They believed in the power of God, but they, they were at a distance of where to be connected. And this time, God needs us to accelerate. He needs your faith accelerating. He needs the things he's put in, on your heart to accelerate. You know, <clears throat> my husband and I eloped. We didn't do a full-blown, we didn't do a formal wedding. We just showed up at a preacher's house. <laughs> and I, I never, growing up, I never wanted a wedding. I thought, that stuff's embarrassing. It's uh, embarrassing. We were not a touchy-feely family. You know, my mother called me Miss Touch-Me-Not when I was growing up. That was her nickname for me, Miss Touch-Me-Not. Just, you've got your space, I've got mine. And uh, so we weren't hugging on each other. Now, when we got older, you know, we all did. But I'm talking about growing up, we, we, we did not. And so I always thought, what for me, wedding, that's just so embarrassing. Just to, <laughs> to stand up there and look in someone's, I can't look in someone's eyes and say something like that. And <laughs> all right, who else is like that? I know there's other, raise it high. Testify. And then others love that. Ed was like that. He loved that. But me, so it worked fine that I did not get a full-blown wedding. Well, I had a wedding, but not the, cer the full formal ceremony. And so um, <laughs> for those who do a full-blown formal wedding, 
they will start preparing a year, two years in advance. They put out books. They do planning books or a digital planning program that lays out every step. What do you mean every step? Just... You want to get there? Yeah, I want to get there. What time? Four o'clock. Okay, I'll beat you at four o'clock on Monday. <laughs> That's the way we did it. See you at four. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> but others, you know, okay, one of the first things they say, reserve the venue. If you don't reserve the venue early enough, oh, you're not going to have, you're going to go to the park. (laughs) So they have a list in this organization thing that at 18 months or two years, you do, there's a list of things to do. And if you don't get it done at 18 months, that's okay. Because maybe at 12 months, you're still good. And then, you, you know, you have to order the dress and all the fittings and order the cake and book uh, the music and whoever, all that, all the mess. And I'd rather have a house payment. but <laughs> Different strokes for different folks. So um, if you don't do it at, At 12 months, well, there's some things you can kick up at nine months, and you can still stay on course. But if there's some things you haven't done about a week before, you can forget them. Just forget them. You're going to have to book it at Uncle Bob's house. You just now brought it down to 50 cents. Because you didn't do it because what time permitted at 12 months, 18 months, time doesn't permit it a week. The closer we get to the bride and the bridegroom, the time of that, the clock and the calendar mean something different now. And these end times, it means something different. We don't have time for what there was time for a hundred years ago. We don't have time. And don't ever believe that the, the wisdom of the technology is due to some man who's a genius. It's because God opened a window of his wisdom. And the technology has advanced and everything is so accelerated. That's because of what's happening with the church, not what's happening in the world. It's accelerated. And we have to pick up an acceleration mentality. Amen. And our people, the congregations, have to uh, love the momentum of that pace. Amen. So God began dealing, and we announced, you know, that's one of the things I love about Brother Copeland is because of the enlargement. You know, we we were um, preaching there at Eagle Mountain International Church in September, and uh, many of our staff and some of the ministers went with us, and it was just, it, it, it wound your clock just to be in the momentum of that location. 
our staff came back different. We all came back different. Something was imparted just to be at the location where that momentum was different than our momentum. It, it thrust us into, into something of their flow. That's why it matters who you're connected to. And uh, so it matters that we keep pace with where we're going. You've got to get that pace up before it's needed so that when you arrive, you're at full, you're at full speed. Um, but God began, de- that's why I so am thrilled that Brother Copeland comes. And I tell you what, ministers that are connected with us need to be in those meetings because it's not about us getting bodies there. It's about us getting, not missing the opportunity to get on the bumper. Get on the bumper of somebody. And watch how they, watch how they throttle that thing. (laughs) How they move in the plan of God for their, themselves. But God began dealing with me also about have asking Brother Jesse to come. And it's for the, this reason. Uh, it's because these men are further ahead than us. In some things where we're headed. And we need to get around their momentum. And that's the reason. That's the reason. To help us pick up the pace. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that's, Amen. that's appropriate. Yeah. When the angel appeared to Mary. And said there's to be born of you a child. And talks about this great announcement. How favored she was among women to be part of this. He didn't, say, he didn't leave until she agreed. She said, so be it done unto me according to thy word. And when she, he had her agreement, he left. Now, now, now we can put things in place. But then immediately she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth who is six months pregnant with John, John the Baptist. And she stays with her for three months. Well, she's six months pregnant. She stays with her for three months. What's she staying for? The delivery. What was God doing? She's pregnant herself. He sent her to someone more pregnant. Further along. Further along. So that she would know what to expect. How thoughtful of God. It's, it's tender. She did not know where she would be at the time of her own delivery, but she was on a trip. Who wants to be mothers? Great with child and say, guess what? Get on a donkey. Or I don't know if she walked, you don't know. <laughs> But they arrive, they're on a trip, and it's her and Joseph. She doesn't have multiple people around her. But because of the tenderness and thoughtfulness of God, she saw the whole process even before it was time for her process. 
She might have seen it before, but now it's going to, now she's going to pay particular attention to Elizabeth, even if she had been around it before, because this just became personal. Very personal. <laughs> and now she's there, her and her husband, and she's delivering her first without all the hoopla of having family and all the comforts around her. But she's already prepared because she did not neglect the process through someone else. Many times, God is endeavoring to, for something to come into fruition in our life and it gets aborted because we weren't where we should have been to see how it's done. And it's delayed. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That's why we don't treat spiritual things lightly because we don't even really know what every service will hold for us of where we're headed. Because God puts your help and your answer in you before your need ever shows up. You know what that's like? It's like ladies who love shoes. Or do you love shoes? I don't understand that, but again, I'm the one who... <laughs> People who see me, you're going to see me wearing the same thing all the time practically because I don't like to shop. Yeah, other men have said, please lay hands on my wife. <laughs> but don't worry, men, I spend my money in other places. <laughs> other things that matter that would not thrill you, that you don't want me to lay hands on your wife for that. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm going to use you. You're a perfect example, a lovely example. I saw her shoes this morning go, I'm definitely wearing the wrong shoes. I don't know if you saw her shoes this morning, but they were ankle boots with high heels and studs all over them. Like, all right, all right, we're going to do that. Okay. <laughs> we're going to kick business around today. <laughs> but... Uh, women who love shoes, they don't need an outfit as a reason to buy the shoe. Exactly, exactly. I like the shoe. Honey, that shoe is lime green. Uh-huh, I like the shoe. Do you have anything to wear it with? I don't need anything to wear it with. I like the shoe. So what does she do? She buys something that it really doesn't go with because in her mind, I'm going to find something it goes with. That's right, exactly. And you, it's a process. And so whenever you find that, you go, that's perfect. I got those lime green shoes <laughs> sitting in my closet waiting for me. God does the same thing when you come to church. He stocks the shelves of your spirit. Just stock up, just stock up, just stock. And you don't even know why that landed in you. But it landed because you're going to come up on something that is offered you. And you'll be loaded and ready to fit into it. 
because you showed up to get stocked up. That's why we cannot treat lightly the opportunities to be where God has connected us because it's part of the momentum of the acceleration he has in mind for us. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. So when your pastor gets up and says, guess what? We're building this, we're building that. You ought to get real excited because this is your Elizabeth. (laughs) This is your Elizabeth. Amen. And you don't want to be Mary without an Elizabeth first. You don't want to be something's going to come due and you don't know what in the world to expect or how to cooperate with this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Your pastor is doing you a kindness when they say, I'm giving you something fresh to hook onto. I'm giving, because it's going to propel your own at a greater rate. And our attitude of how we treat those opportunities show God whether or not we're ready to make the trip. Now, if somebody handed me a birthday gift to a race course, I would say, no, thank you. Now, there's some stores down the road that I'd be fine at cashing that in at. But there are things that you don't know that God has in your future. And you don't want to treat lightly the opportunities to hook on, to tighten your connection, tighten your connection. I've seen, I have seen people die prematurely for one reason. They just didn't show up to church. One reason. The woman with the issue of blood could have died if she hadn't got out of the house. If she just, she got out of the house. And some people just don't move forward into all God has, or they just kind of idle. They're at the same place five years, ten years. They're just idling through. They're on the right course. But they don't know, we don't know what bumper to hook up to. Not interested. They're just, they're just idling all around the course. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for it. I said we don't have time for it. Time means so much more in the end times. Why? Because time is going to end. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we're hungry. We're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry to keep pace. I I love something, Buddy Harrison, who was Dad Hagen's brother-in-law, excuse me, son-in-law, married to Dad Hagen's daughter, Pat Harrison. Buddy Harrison made a great statement. He said, God can pull you through anything if you can stand the pull. You can feel 
you can feel a demand, a stretch being put on you in a time of acceleration. I was talking to Deneen. I don't know if I was telling you the staff or not or this, but about three years ago, I was sitting on an airplane, a commercial flight, and we were just taxiing down and getting ready to take off on the runway. And God said to me one, one thing. He said, what did he say to me, Deneen? I'm trying to think of the word. What was it? So, thank you. Thank you. I, I was going to say momentum, and I go, that's not the word. He said, suddenly. And, and you, now I can't believe you already forgot the word. I know we were walking and I was telling you that. And you said, oh, that's what God just told me. And I said, she forgot what God told her. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to go over here. Was it Francine? <laughs> Was it Francine who remembered it? Okay. And, and. Before we make a trip anywhere, ladies especially, we, we're, we're days ahead, we're, before we have to leave, our head's already on the trip. We're thinking, okay, I got to take this, I got to get this to the dry cleaners, I got to get this washed, I got to get this ironed, I need to find an out, a top for those, gr- I need to find an outfit for those lime green shoes. And, <laughs> and you're thinking of all the things you've got to do, and you've got time to do them. But you know time is pressed, so I, I don't have time to do this because i got to go do this. And you start, you start cutting away things that will not help you make the trip. Right? You start throwing certain errands to when you get back. I, I, I don't have time for that now. i got to go do this now. And so then you... Pack and uh, ladies, we gotta go get our hair appointments. Some people gotta do their nails, their toe, all that, all that, all the kind of layering we do. (laughs) Because, and we, I got, I got a new suitcase. I got a cool. I'm just telling. (laughs) I love luggage. It's the furniture of my life. So I want cool stuff and I found one. It's a trunk that stands up and it's got shelves and they're collapsible or not collapsible shelves. I can't tell you what company it is because I might need more and I want you to buy it up. (laughs) No. So I was telling Stephen and Stephen said, you better pack that thing and make sure it works right. So I had it packed and he came over and he said, I'm going to treat it right. And so he picked it up, threw it around and did all this stuff. And he shook it upside down and he said, I'm just going to see if it's going to work for you. And then he put it back down and everything was in place. No. That's right. <laughs> Why? Because he's thinking of the trip. What works at home doesn't work on the trip. So then you load all the stuff up and you got to, and so it had multiple ways to strap it down. Nothing moved. Why? Because it was prepared for the, it was prepared for movement. Prepared for it. Then you go and you take everything to the airport. They load it on. 
they put your, hopefully, we've watched bags fall off carts out airplane windows. You know, have you ever seen that? And you, and you watch them transporting the luggage and you see one fall off and the guy keeps going, you go, oh, so sorry. <laughs> and we're watching that lone bag lay in the middle of the tarmac. You know, it's like, oh, yo, oh. And then when they start you know, you're seated and, and they tell you buckle up and everything. And then they close the door and they start backing away. But, and then, you know, you can still get up and say, <laughs> I need this from up above, right, Pastor Hoobie? <laughs> and so you get up out of your seat, even though you're not supposed to, you, there's still time. Why? Momentum hasn't hit. And then you put it back real quick and hope the stewardess doesn't see you. But when momentum hits, you better be strapped. I've seen the stewardesses mistakenly leave a cart unlatched. And it comes down and it starts coming down the aisle, man. And that starts th- just banging. Why? Because now what was a blessing is an injury. That's there to serve you, but when it's not in place at momentum, things get injured. That's why acceleration is not just for fun. I tell you, you better be serious about acceleration. It's no game. And that's why you have to have somebody who's been in that flow of acceleration to be an example so that you know what that looks like and so that things are in place. And how did Ed used to say it? He said, when you come into a new season, everything better be bolted bolted down. When you come into a new season, why? Because everything is trying to oppose your entrance. And the devil's looking for loose things. And that's why it's so important we stay tightly connected because as we're tightly connected and we're where we should be, we get all the help we need so that everything is in place, packed and bolted down and ready for the trip. Amen. I love what the pastor said on Sunday morning because he was talking about we're coming into a day when the pastor stands up and says this, we need $2 million for this, this, this next wing of the building. And everybody says, well, let's take care of it this morning. God told my husband years ago, he said, there ought to be enough money in a congregation of just an average size of a couple hundred people. There ought to be enough for the pastor to raise $1 million in that service without them touching their savings. He said, just out of their cash flow. And God said, 97% of my people are living beneath what I have provided for them. He said, if you don't, God said this to him, if you don't have enough to live for one, at least one full year without touching your savings, you're broke. I have, I have accounts for just a year's savings. Is, is it full yet? No, but at least I, 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 I'm putting, putting it there so God can fill my barn. I'm putting a barn up there. Fill that barn. Because I'm expecting 
And I, I'm, we're going to have a reserve. Why is it? Is it because you're afraid God won't do it? It's no, no, it's because he's going to do it. Then I heard, even after Ed went home to be with the Lord, I heard a recording by Dad Hagen, and he got up and said the exact same thing. He said, in a church of 200 people, he said, you ought to be at least able to raise $1 million in a service. He said, and if you're not, he said, you're not walking in the light of what God's put in you. Amen. Why? Acceleration time. You know what our problem is? Thinking. 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 Think wrong. I hear people say, my goal is to be a millionaire. That's a limit. A limit. Well, I want to, you know, I want to be a billionaire. It's still a limit. Why, why are you doing that? I, I'll, have enough, I'll have enough to fund the plan. Doesn't matter what it is. Number, I don't check numbers. You want to know why money has been, I tell you, we've just been so blessed in the ministry financially. And the, it's, it's a blessing because I don't check money. I'm not mindless. I'm not negligent. I just don't run in and check and see if money permits me to do something or not. God funds the plan. Fund the plan. If I stay on the plan, I get funded. Hallelujah. The problem is the way we think about money. Ah. I might not have. I just don't touch it in my thought life. I don't touch it in my thought life. I said I don't touch it in my thought life. I, I love what one, I think it was um, Pastor David Oyedipo, who pastors one of the largest churches in the world in uh, Nigeria. Brother, uh, another pastor, um, excuse me, another traveling minister, I was, tell, I was asking him, I said, have you ever preached for Pastor Oyedipo? He says, oh, yeah, I dedicated the building. I go, oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> he said, you've never seen so much Louis Vuitton in a church than in that church in Nigeria. He said, he's got wealthy, wealthy people, made wealthy by the word. That's right. Because that's a third world country. And when some company did a... You know, they, they rank wealth of people. He was ranked himself at $150 million worth, personally. Personally. And he said, when I read that, he said, I was insulted. He said, an interviewer asked me, I understand, you know, you've been, you know, ranked at $150 million worth. And he said, I'm insulted. He said... Uh, my wealth is all the resources and the riches in Christ. To diminish it to $150 million. That's what he was saying. The treasury of heaven is behind us. That's the bank of heaven funding us. My God shall supply all your needs according to what? Ah, his riches are stored somewhere. The treasuries of heaven and God, the word talks about them. 
I love something Dr. Summerall said. He said, if what I need is not on the earth, God will send it down from heaven to me. And he said, people think that's not possible. But he said, gold is a common resource in both worlds. And he said, don't tell me heaven won't send things down to the earth. He said, it's called manna. Every day they ate of it. It came from heaven. Well, praise the Lord. The time of acceleration and momentum calls for the treasury of heaven, the backing of heaven's treasury. And we have to have heaven treasury mentality. Praise the Lord. And God is putting, God is blessing this company with putting people in our way that have tapped into some of that. We need to acknowledge that connection because we need those Elizabeths in our life to help us be effectual in giving birth to what is in our spirits. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we're so grateful tonight. So thankful for the largeness of the plan. The largeness, the greatness of the plan. Thank you that we're part of that plan. We get rid of, uh, of the smallness that limits us. The limited thinking. You said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So Father, we thank you for the invitation of no limits on our thinking, on our speaking, on the largeness of the vision. We thank you for no limits. Whatever the plan needs, it'll all come. And it will come at divine pace. Not limited to the natural course of things. We thank you, Father. Um, there are some wonderful structures that have been built in different cities and stuff. Who says that those things can't change hands? I was in a service and there was somebody, most of you would know them, they're well-known figures in the body of Christ and I had never met them before. And In the service I walked over and I prophesied to them and I said, God's going to give you some kind of building supernaturally and when God gives it to you, everybody's going to know they did not do that. And they came in the back room and they showed me a picture of a building, multi-million, I mean 30-something million dollar building that had just been built and offered to them to give it to them because no one could take it on. They said, we'll give it to you if you'll just take it on. They took it on. You ever heard of Charles Parham? Isn't that his name? Parham preceding the Azusa Street. Azusa Street really began in Topeka, Kansas with Charles Parham. God dealt with him about starting a Bible school. 
and uh, told him to go to Topeka, Kansas. So he did. He didn't have a student body or anything yet. And God began speaking to different young people about going to a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas by the Spirit. And he would go down every day to the train station and pick up people who just showed up and said, God sent me to Topeka. He said there's a Bible school. And he would go and collect all those people at the railroad state, at the train station. Why? See, before there was all the communication we have, God had his own, there's a divine communication called the Holy Ghost. And we, 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 we don't, we kind of, our minds don't even really tap into that because we're so used to picking up the phone. But before there was that kind of communication, people depended in a whole nother way on the Holy Ghost. And so he would go down to the train station every day to see who showed up. No advertising, just the Spirit of God drawing and putting people together. So he looked for a building and he couldn't find one to have the Bible school in. And somebody said to him, he said, there's a building that's kind of on the edge of town. Uh, You might want to go look at it. So he went and looked at it. And I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it, but get online and find the picture of it. It's a fabulous Victorian home, a mansion, fabulous And this is the building that this somebody had recommended that he go to. And and he went there and he was, it was kind of, you know, on the edge of town and uh, out of the way of traffic. And he was just standing in front of it and looking at it. And God, when he stood in front, God said, I'm going to give you that house for the Bible school. See, that, that was where the students then could sleep. It was a home. It was everything all in one. And he's standing there and God said to him, I'm going to give you that house. And he said, well, thank you, Lord. And within a few moments, a man walks up to him and says, you like that house? He said, yeah, I do. And he didn't know the man, but you know how sometimes there's sometimes people in that region. I mean, you just sit and chit chat. You don't have to know him. You chit chat. So they're sitting there, standing there chit chatting. And he said, yeah. And he said, God just told me he's going to give me this house. And he said, the man said, Okay, pulled the key out of his pocket and handed it to him. It was the owner of the home. That's it. Came back from his walk, had the building. That's called divine acceleration. But if we think that it's all, everything's got to go through the natural processes, we limit God. God's looking for someone who won't choke on the handover. They'll go and stand out in front of it and expect the handover. Somehow, this is coming into my hands. However it comes, that's coming in my hands. Hallelujah. Pastors or ministers with building, building plans. Come up here. Come up here. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We will not choke at the divine handover. Who says we have to build it all ourselves? Yes, we may build it ourselves, but who says it can only be that way? I believe, Father, there will be some divine exchanges happen. Yes, Father, we take it. 
We take it. We take it. When heaven puts the deed in our name, everything else is just, uh, everything else is trivial. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank, we thank you. We thank you for the anointing, the impartation, for the divine acceleration, for the plan. It's all about your plan, Father. It's all about your plan. We thank you, Father. We, we thank you, Father. Ah, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, 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 uh. No more, no more walking around the same track, larger track, larger track, an enlarged, enlarged, enlarged pathway, enlarged. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank, ah, Mastakaye, Masti Iziki, Adabakata, Tayadebegiki. God's going to assign words for you to say. And it seems to me it's directed toward the city. I don't know if it's city officials or what, but you're going to, and I don't know if you're going to say it in their proximity or say it in your office, but he's going to assign you words to say, and those words will go out and do a work and bring in and move things around. But it's his words. It's his words. It's not you choosing words. It's you hearing words and declaring them. And the words do the work. Those words do the work. And then yours is just a light and easy ride. <laughs> Yoked up with the words that do the work. We thank you, Father, for divine words. Words, words, words. We thank you for it. We thank you. The house was just a practice place. It was just a practice place. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. In the plan of God, your pace accelerates. You know, as we get older, we're more qualified for faster. <laughs> Go faster. Faster. We thank you, Father. Not slower. The world's thing is when they get a certain age, they start slowing down, cutting back, getting rid of. Brother, that's when we start laying it up for examples. 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 The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Not cutting back. Well, I just don't want the I just don't want the responsibility. Give it to me, I'll take it. Because it puts you in such a flow of faith that it just is a thrill of life. That ride, who wants to get off that ride? Father, we thank you. Ah, oh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, my sticky ye. Pastor Amy, you praying out. <laughs> you praying out entrances for other ministries into their places of habitation. Because these things are not moved into without the spirit realm prepared over them. Ah, ha, ha. What a privilege. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. <laughs> take, 
and take the limits off. No limits, no limits, no limits, no limits. I love something, I believe, Pastor Dennis, I don't know if you said it to other ministers or somebody, but you said, don't build what's in your head, build what's in your heart. Because your head will cheat you every time. It'll cheat you. We thank you. We ah, mastiki ete pe de ki ah mataye oh de ki kia manta ta 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 de de ki ye ha ah ah astaki ye ya ya. There's more. There's more. Ah 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 ah. Be ready to he, be willing to hear the more. Astaki ki ye de pe ki ki ete. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. The closer you follow, the better you finish. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Take good notes. Take good notes. Students must take good notes to finish well. There's some more impartations for you through Dr. Jacobs. Mm, what a, oh, what a help. What a help, what a help, what a help. <laughs> there's some, there's some things. I don't know what all that means, but uh, uh, we thank you for it, Father. Not to say, Oh, we thank you, Father. <laughs> clarity. Clarity, clarity, clarity. <laughs> Momentum requires and calls for clarity. Momentum is not safe without it. Thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. Utterances, utterances in prayer, Pastor Noel, for the buildings. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You say, well... Is she just going to minister to the ministers? Listen, they're your examples that live with you. That live with you. Hallelujah. So you're not left out. That's why God ministers to them with you in mind. You are in his plan. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Tony and Rochelle, come here real quick, real quick. Mashtikiye, Father. Father, making up time, making, making it up, making it up, making it up, making it up, making it up. Ah ah ah, na ma pa ye estikiye, mata ye te pe pe kikiya, ma pa 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 ye, making it up, making up the time. Ha ha ha. Oh, ah estikiye, ha ha, ma estikiye te pe estikiye. We thank you, Father. I want to do a favor if I could, if, if this, this is, uh, for, if this house will allow us, is I would like for my staff to come up here. I don't know, all my staff isn't here, but the staff that is here, come up real quickly, real quickly. Because we have to be on par, on pace. 
Hallelujah. Come up real quick. Just step up, up here to the steps. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for the grace for the momentum, the grace for the momentum, the grace for the momentum. And now I'm talking about for your own personal lives, that things are in place around your personal life so that the momentum is a blessing to you personally. It doesn't, it doesn't stretch you the wrong way or pull on you the wrong way. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. So many others. <laughs> are going to partake of your gift and the grace upon you. I'm, to, I'm, I'm not talking about just musical and in the service. I'm talking about there's a, so many other graces there. <laughs> We thank you, Father. 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 <laughs> and Noah, that's why the fight of the past. Because the devil foresaw some things, of things God had for you, and he's hated it. <laughs> so just know, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. We we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Mastikiye, mastikiye, the bestikiye, the bostoye, manchatakaye. Oh, we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pastor Dennis, there's something, impart, an impartation from you to Stephen. If you'd come up here, Stephen, and let him lay hands on you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's worship the Lord. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Ah, thank you for the greatness of your plan. 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 And Tiffany, what great joy that your eyes will see what your father's heart carried. Your eyes will see it. Your eyes will see it. <laughs> and so nothing lost to him. Nothing lost to him because God brings you into the, the seeing of it. David wanted to build the temple, but his son got to see it. His son got to do it and see it. Nothing lost to David. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. We glorify you, we glorify you, we glorify you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We glorify you, we glorify you, we glorify you. And for the generosity of this congregation to this ministry, just lift up your hands. I declare and I proclaim divine multiplication. 
divine acceleration. Harvest on the generosity of the seed. When your own vision called for those funds, you sent them to, in our direction. There was a, I preached a sermon maybe a couple months ago in our church off of something. I was believing God for some finances for me personally. And it was around the first week of a month. And I was talking to God about it. And he said to me, he said, the funds will be here by the end of the month. Well, I was grateful for that because God doesn't always tell me a time frame. And so about around the 15th, I received a check. And I mean, it's a large amount. It's not 5000 10000 And it was enough to cover what I was believing for to be paid. But I had something in my heart for years that I wanted to do for somebody financially. And I hadn't been in a place to do that. And I thought, I can either pay my, this thing, or I can, this is enough to do what's in my heart. And I was reminded of the centurion who came to Jesus and he said, my servant is at the point of death. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house. He's on his way to the house and Jesus, and the centurion sends word to Jesus, says, you don't need to come. To speak the word only. And Jesus turned around and stopped because these were religious leaders who informed Jesus of the centurion's goodness to the Jewish people. So the synagogue leaders and Jewish leaders are there and Jesus said, I've not seen so great a faith. No, not in Israel. He's saying among you leaders, this Gentile has outdone you. What is it that impressed Jesus's Impress Jesus about this man. Jesus agreed to come to his home. But the man said, your word is enough for me. Notice, Jesus left it up to the centurion. Sometimes he'll leave things up to you of how things are accomplished. And when it's left up to you, I thought, I want to choose the one that impresses him most. Jesus didn't say anything about the greatness of the centurion's faith when he was going to his house. It was when he took another avenue and said, just send the word. That impressed Jesus because even though both were good and both were right because Jesus wouldn't be a part of something that wasn't right, one impressed him more than the other. So I thought, it's fine, because I said to God, I said, I have this money. You told me that money would be here by the end of the month. Oh, it's here. I just don't know if there's another sum this large coming by the end of the month. Because you can mishandle things God gives you and mis- misapply. And miss out on what God was intending to do because you didn't handle it right. And I said, what do you say about it? 
Is this my manifestation or is this my seed? And he said to me, it's up to you. I leave it up to you. I didn't want to hear that. But I thought, well, if it's up to me, I want to impress him with my choice. So I sowed it. And about, I don't know, a week later or something, Francine contacted me and said, you got two big checks in personally for you by the end of the month. Both of those amounts handled in one month. When it had been in my heart for years, in one month, theirs met and mine met. And so I say that to you because you took what could have been, and it would have been good for you to take that money and do what you were doing. It would have been perfectly fine with God, but you chose a choice that impressed Him. Thank you for that. Because we're blessed by that, but I say back to you. Divine accelerated harvest out of the treasuries of heaven. Because your choice impressed Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful. <laughs> What a fun race. What a fun, joyful race this is. Father, we're thrilled at your plan. We're thrilled at your plan, and we give you glory and honor and thanks. And everybody said, you don't want to miss in the morning. It has been so, 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 so good. And I don't know if Brother Joel will preach as good without the merch on tomorrow, but we'll see. I bet he'll have some merch on under his dress shirt. I bet that's what he'll do. Super merch. <laughs> it's been so, so good, and you don't want to miss it. Tomorrow, Thursday morning at 10 a.m., and tomorrow night, Thursday night, 7 p.m., turn to somebody before you're dismissed and say, I'm ready for the acceleration, and you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.